welcome to the Fantasy Fam Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Chris, coming at you from Rain Man Studios here in Northern Jersey. On the mic with my brother, Sven, and our cousin, Keele. We have a very special guest on today's episode. Author of the number one selling Fantasy Black Book series, host of the Fantasy Black Book pod, major contributor for Fantrax, host of In This Ring Wrestling Pod, and host of Star app slash King in the North, Joe Pizapia. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us today. Absolutely. Happy to be here. And it's always fun to talk a little fantasy with fantasy family. I mean, come on, I'm Italian. You know, we're all family. That's how we rock. We're all related to each other somehow. <laughs> that is true. Extended fantasy family today, my friend. That's right. There you go. There it is. He's now a part of the fam. Yeah. He's welcome. <laughs> so before we get into the, uh, to the nitty gritty, just want to uh, do a quick quick couple lightning round questions and some either or just to uh you know get to know you a little bit better break the ice is that uh is that cool yeah sure let's do it baby all right joe tell us uh tell us where you're from uh i am from brooklyn new york grew up uh, in new york in the 80s so that means i'm a loser mets fan because uh, keith hernandez had an awesome mustache and they kind of ruled the town but uh then uh moved to new jersey when i was a little bit older there and uh just kind of bounced around in a couple spots and i am now in Hillsboro, New Jersey, of all places. So it's a nice little town. The kiddos are happy. But, yeah, I'm originally a New Yorker, which means I, I'm already kind of an elitist. So, <laughs> Well, it's nice to know you're a Mets fan, though. I appreciate that. Well, that's <laughs> right. I'm a, <laughs> a Mets fan. See, this I don't is the thing. I feel sorry I'm, or if I, you know. I'm a, it's okay. It's okay. You can, you can send me a fruit basket. You can do whatever you like. I'll take it all. It's fine. I, it's been a long road. <laughs> you're, not, you're not outnumbered today, Kyle. Well, yeah. I mean, there's, there's uh, two of you. That's, that's fair. All right. I'll take it. I mean, I mean, it's hard to be a Mets fan. It is. It is hard. Well, you know, they ruined me. And I'll tell you why. Because when I was a kid in 1986, I believed that they were going to come back and win. And then they did. And the Buckner thing happened. And they won game seven. And I, you know, I've been forever an optimist about baseball and pretty much sports ever since. And, uh, you know, it was kind of spoiled. And I thought things were going to go my way. And it's just, it's been a snowball effect the last 30 years or so. And it hasn't been fun. I can tell you a couple of moments here and there. But outside of that, pretty much torture. But I'm very lucky because I am not a bandwagon. I was a Patriots fan back in the Drew Bledsoe days with Curtis Martin, and I go back to Parcells and all that stuff. So I at least had that. So every time that, you know, football season rolls around, I remember what it's like to feel good about myself. Let, where can I um, stop this? I'm going to stop this call right now. Where, 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 <laughs> <laughs> hey, I lost Super Bowls before uh, I won them as a Patriots oh, fan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh my definitely. God. All right. Never mind. I was going to ask what, what fan you were of football before you said that. Uh, Cause you know, if you went, if you're Mets, you're usually not always, but usually a Jets fan. And usually you are, but then you're really pathetic. Oh, yeah. yeah. So thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> Good start. <laughs> that, that's this guy right here. Oh, ah, yeah, here oh my goodness. Well, I'm, I'm a Giants fan. So I guess I was actually living in Boston for a little while, a couple of years ago. And I always, I always had that, you know, up, up my sleeve of being a Giants fan. So. Well, and you and you own it, and you absolutely deserve it. I, I can't say anything about it, but it's okay. I, I still sleep pretty well at night with all those rings. They're all under my pillow. It's delicious. <laughs> Wonderful. Sounds, uh, sounds comfy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. New Jersey, though, now. That sounds fantastic. Uh, wife and I actually just moved, uh, moved to Jersey as well. There you go. Um, yeah, same. Pork roll or Taylor ham, Joe? Oh, man. Uh, you know, Jersey, you're going to go full Jersey. You got to say pork roll. I mean, come on. I mean, you really, you know, 
Is it full Jersey though? I, I, yeah. <laughs> well, it like I grew up kind of in the mid Jersey. So I was like, it was like the old bridge kind of area. So yeah. Yeah. And I went to school in That's Philadelphia, like, which yeah. is like, forget about it. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's a whole other kind of universe. But like, I think once you're, you know, Middlesex County in town, I think four crows kind of become the thing, you know, it's closer to the shore and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, my wife says uh, pork roll, and I say Taylor Ham because I grew up upstate. Taylor Ham, home, so exactly. we have that. Yeah. Uh, we have that battle. Yeah, and it could be worse. You could be in like central Pennsylvania, and then you have to eat weird things like scrapple. I'm not even sure what that is, or what part of the animal, or what animal it is, but it's uh, it looks or, gross. Or no. chipped, chipped beef is the other one I learned about this weekend. Chipped beef. No yeah, idea. It's what kind that of is. the same thing. It's kind of okay. like it's called leftover animal. That's what it is. Yeah. It's almost like head cheese, but for me. <laughs> <laughs> When I was in Pennsylvania one time with a buddy and you know that it's, you know, a really good meal when it comes out and he's like, Oh no, no, don't, it, it's probably better somewhere else. No, like, uh, Oof, yes. you're right. <laughs> Thanks pal. Yeah. Um, favorite WWF wrestler as a kid, Joe go. Oh, as a kid, I was a macho man guy. I was a big macho man guy as a kid. In fact, I was always rooting for him to beat the crap out of Hulk Hogan and turn on him during that whole mega powers collide era. Uh, I am a big wrestling guy. I host a wrestling podcast. Uh, my kids, my two daughters are big wrestling fans. We're actually going to NXT on Sunday. It's in Jersey. Um, we were at SummerSlam this past year in Brooklyn. So, um, yeah, Macho Man was definitely my guy. And then as I got a little older, I was always a – Shawn Michaels is my favorite of all time. But as a kid, man, it was all about the Macho Man. He was just, he was just magic, man. That's wow. great. NXT? So you've, do you follow NXT? Yeah, oh, I follow it all, man. Do you oh, know yeah. Bull, Bull James is or Bull yeah, Dusty? Sure. Mm-hmm, yeah. I, I grew up with him. No I, went to, I went to school with him, yeah, and he's actually living his life dream. Oh, that's crazy. a wrestler. Like, that's all he wanted to do since, like, middle school. Just yeah, hey, man, look, it's, throw it's that out there. once you get the bog, man, it's, it's one of those things. And I, I worked, um, I, I taught stage combat and I was a professional um, fighter and fight choreographer for the last uh, 15 years or so. So, you know, that was like my other job that I did. Um, so it's, it, I have such great respect for what they do. And, you know, I understand a great deal of how it works. So I think that's like a different level of enjoyment, but I always loved wrestling when I was a little kid, always did. It was just a huge thing for me. And I, it, it just never shook really like in a college, I was in college in Philadelphia during the ECW era and the attitude era. So it was just wild. We were at WrestleMania 15 rock versus Austin. The first time we were in the building live, it was, it was wild. So I don't know. I just like every couple of years, maybe kind of zone out a little bit, but no matter what, I always come back to it. So uh, I guess it just kind of stuck. No, that's great to hear that you were uh, hoping that, Ho- that Macho Man would go against Hogan because yeah. I was an uh, Ultimate Warrior fan. So they were always they were always feuding. Yeah, Ultimate Warrior. That guy couldn't really wrestle. He was a good show. He was a good show. Which in the ring. Yeah. In the ring. Yeah, he was, was a good like- show though. <laughs> so many steroids running so up and many. down going crazy yeah. so many steroids yeah well, exciting when you're a kid you're like hyped up he's like you know he's like the equivalent of a sugar high when you're eight you know <laughs> ultimate warrior gets you all jacked up it's, <laughs> you know <laughs> you know you see ultimate warriors are running around your house to get yelled at by your parents you know yeah watch some of that before uh before we take the field you know <laughs> during pop wonder days <laughs> there you go um do people ever confuse you with the singer-songwriter with, by the same name? Uh, only once, every now and then, every now and then on Twitter, I'll get like a question about Guster, the band that he plays for. <laughs> <laughs> I actually know who the band is. I'm, not, oh. I'm a big music nerd. And I actually know who the band is, and I grew up in the 90s, so I yeah. kind of know. So it, it's funny, and he, he honestly, the guy is a spitting image of my grandfather, so I know we're somehow related. 
Uh, like I said, see, I see it comes full circle. Every Italian's related somehow. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, I mean, it's kind of scary. So I think I know exactly what side and how, you know, family wise it is, but it doesn't happen very much. But I mean, I got so many more Twitter followers than him. I kind of want to be like, Hey, maybe you should give it over to me. <laughs> you know, just the old, yeah, but that, hence the 17 Keith Hernandez, that's henceforth. That was my baseball number I always kept. So, uh, so that's why the 17 is in the Twitter handle. 17 is a good number, man. That's my, uh, my birthday coming up in two days. There you go. Happy birthday. So thank you, man. Thank you, man. Excellent. Appreciate it. How old is this? Now, come on. Tell us how old. I'm actually going to be uh, 36. Ah, yes. Come get closer. You're almost <laughs> at me. I'm almost, you're only a couple years behind me, my friend. <laughs> that means I'm getting older too. Yes, I'm it does. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. That's what happens. We all get older. Less hair on my head, but more hair on my face. I don't really, you know, I don't understand the connection. Yeah, the, it's about altitude. The, uh, yeah. the lower the hair, the harder it is to get rid of on your body, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> just keep drinking more gasoline, I guess, from uh, over the top with, uh, with Sly, you know. A <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, couple either or questions for you here. So you, you got to choose one or the other. And the first one is, is selfishly a question, you know question for me michigan or ohio state joe oh michigan come on tom yes. brady mark come on now fantastic see i had that written down before we found out that you were uh, a <laughs> Patriots fan, so. and again i was a tom brady fan too but back in that era too i always get pissed off i was like why do they keep trying to bring that drew henson guy out there that guy's terrible i don't care if he's from michigan i don't care he sucks and every time he'd come in he'd suck and then brady would bail him out of every game so yeah definitely Michigan over Ohio State that's great and I think he actually I don't know if he still does but he had a podcast and he would always talk about how he was the bigger recruit and then like obviously look what happened he was so, yeah. yeah he was Drew Henson was the he was the yeah. golden child of, of you know hometown boy and all that stuff but you know turns out baseball football wasn't as good as he thought he was <laughs> oh no not not at all not, a, not no. as a Yankee, not as a cowboy, not as a... No, no. Just, you know, I mean, maybe if you stop to one thing, maybe. I don't know. But, you know, it's, it's hard. It's a lot of pressure when you're, like, anointed. It's very difficult. Maurice Claret had that same thing in Ohio State. Speaking of, you know, Ohio State, you know, it's very difficult to be the hometown anointed son. Very true. That is very true. Moving to, uh, moving to category of food. Cheeseburger or chili dog? And I'll tell you why I asked after you uh, give me your answer. <laughs> well, I mean, both are highly acceptable. But I'm a burger guy at heart. I can't lie. Yeah, me too. Um, there's this place that our our father grew up actually going to and took us as a kid. And now we go back as like uh, like on special occasions. It's called Hot Grill in Clifton, New Jersey. Have you heard of that? I haven't. I haven't, but I know where Clifton is. I used to live up in uh, Parsippany for like a year. I lived up there. Okay. So not too far from uh, that area. But mm, any burger joint, I'm always game to give it a shot. And I'll drive for I'll drive for good food. I'll 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 go out there. This is I'll find it. a way. Drive to Clifton. Yeah. They got good burgers, but they're known for their hot dogs. So, all right. Yeah, the chili right. dog. It, there you it, go. You can't find a recipe anywhere. It's like the secret eighty-year-old, exactly the same recipe. So, give it a shot. There show. you go. I hope the meat's not eighty years old. But yes, I'm yeah. all about it. <laughs> Gets better with age. <laughs> <laughs> Just like me. <laughs> um. Fantasy football or fantasy baseball? You know, that is a great, that's a great question. All my life, I probably would have said baseball. But in the last two years, for some reason, I don't know what it is. The focus for me has changed maybe. I don't know if it's become more of a business thing, but also just 
my sheer enjoyment. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's just like me getting older and crankier and certain things, but I, I know I enjoy football more now, right now. Like if, if you had to make me choose one, I actually enjoy the football content more and doing the football content. And, um, you know, baseball is a grind. I mean, I, it's, and I love it. I've, I've always loved it. I was a baseball player my whole life. Um, was pretty decent too. Um, but it's, uh, at this stage, I would say football over baseball and it's very close still, but there's some things, you know, I feel like baseball sometimes has a bit of identity crisis. The, the 10 day IL has really put a weird wrinkle in the, the way that these guys are training now, like Olympic athletes, but nobody can stay on the field. It's, it's frustrating. And, and, you know, a lot of some of the identity nonsense too, is just, you know, I mean, it's the PDs and the structure. I'm, I'm unpopular in the sense that I want HGH and everything back in and regulated. Get these guys healthy. Get them back on the field. If I can see an HGH commercial on TV, then why can't I see them using it to help these guys stay healthy for 162 games? And, you know, I, I just think also maybe, too, we need to reevaluate the way some of baseball is played. Maybe less regular season, more playoffs, things like that. But uh, that's, that's my own thing. So, But, yeah, still love baseball. But it uh, will always be my first love. But football right now is my preference. All very interesting points. And if you need, um, you know, any individuals to, to throw some back behind that, we can, you know, type up. A couple there you go. There you go. Cause I think I'm, uh, I'm in agreement with, uh, with what you said there. Yeah. Individual. If you asked me five years ago, if ever, I'd ever be this point, I'd say no, but last two years, it's, it's really, it's been a shift for me, you know? The one thing I do like about baseball is that you can pick people up, play the waiver every single day. Yeah. That, that's what's fun about it. And I host a daily fantasy baseball podcast at line star, and so I'm doing baseball content five days a week for them. Plus black book, we do baseball and football. So, you know, it's just a lot. And plus the books and everything like that. So it's, it's really, you know, there's, there's, it's a lot when you're covering it and sometimes it gets a little overwhelming. And again, maybe too, as a Mets fan, you just get a little kind of frustrated with, you know, the product you have to watch locally over the years, you know, I mean, I could run a couple of years ago, but that was kind of out of nowhere and unsustained. Uh, but yeah, it, it just, I don't know, man. It's just football right now. The product is exciting. The personalities are good. It's, um, it, I don't know, it's just something about it right now. I feel like football is in a great place. But although there's a nice influx of talent in baseball the last year or so, so things hopefully are on the upswing there too. Completely agree, man. Yeah, thank you for, uh, thank you for sharing all that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Got through a couple of those, uh, you know, quick, quick hitters. Um, I mean, obviously you told us a little bit about yourself, but if there's anything else that, you know, we and or the audience should know. Uh, let us know as well as how you uh, how you got into fantasy fantasy sports and doing what you're doing today. Oh, wow. Okay, how did I get into fantasy sports? Well, um, let's see. We when I was a kid, I was a big baseball card collector, and I used I made up this little game with dice and these little pieces where you could like draft your own team, and I'd play with my dad, and we would like you know like you roll the dice and like a single is this and a double is that and all these things and. Then I got to a thing where I'll just start draft redrafting the league. I think it came from being a, a sad Met fan. Like I just wanted, you know, better players on my team. <laughs> like I could be a better general manager than that guy and kind of doing that. And then uh, actually I was a professional actor for uh, about 20 years or so. Uh, and, um, you know, worked in the industry and still did up until this past year is the first year I actually kind of stepped away from the industry and uh, like a real one, not like a community theater actor, like actually uh Went to conservatory and I studied uh, classical theater at Oxford, uh, Shakespeare student and actor, um, worked in the industry, still vote for the Screen Actors Guild Awards. Um, so I was very blessed to work quite a bit on stage and stuff and uh, a little bit of TV and film as well. And then um, 
then, you know, when you're a character actor and you're a little younger, there's less things for you. And um, I was working, was very good at working in hotels. So that kind of happened while I was still acting. And then I was, my first daughter was born. I had been working for a couple of sites on the side and I really liked it. I was always great at fantasy sports and I got screwed by two sites. And I said, eh, you know what? I'm going to go write a book. I was on paternity leave at the time. And I said, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to put all my thoughts and my system out there, which is relative position value. And just for myself, I just want to finish it. And there was really not much in the space at Amazon at the time. And it went to number one in fantasy sports right off the bat. And I was like, wow, I thought I'd sell 50 copies. And it wasn't, you know, life changing money or anything like that, but it was a start. And and people were looking for it the next year. And I continued on and we expanded to baseball. And that was nine years ago. And 14 books later, here we are. And last year, the football book was not only number one in fantasy sports, but number one in football on Amazon for a couple of weeks ahead of Tom Brady's TB12 and ahead of Nick Foles' uh, Cinderella story book, whatever the hell that crap was. But uh, that Who's was, a, read that? I don't know, some guy eating a cheesesteak <laughs> and, and washing it down with a Coke. But like they, I wish um, still had Nick Foles, man. Yeah, <laughs> but, but you know what? It's It's been quite a journey. I've been uh, just kind of relentless about the brand and I've worked for so many different companies and I've been let go by so many different companies and it's been a wild ride. I've worked for FanDuel. I've worked for, I'm working for Fantrax right now. I've I uh, worked for Alarm. I've worked for, you know, just countless groups there throughout. And it's a very tough industry. But the one thing is I always had the black book and I never let go of that. And I've been able to really grow that. And it's taken a long time. And, uh, you know, had very blessed to have an opportunity to work at Sirius and host over there. And, you know, I started out like you guys did a podcast for a couple of years, was dying to get on Sirius. Eventually, somehow we broke in there. And it's all about having real friends and real networks networking people can carry you through and you know that's that's what it's all about and that's been the joy of this industry and uh, uh you know i've been at the lows of the lows and some pretty highs too and it's just uh, it's been quite a wild ride but somehow still kicking i'm hard to get rid of i guess no that's a great story too man and that's actually amazing that you mentioned the baseball card too because that's that's always the story that i tell because i i used to uh I played Pop Warner, so my dad and I, after the game, we would always go to, like, the baseball card shop or, like, the shows where you try and finagle to get. Oh, yeah. I used to work some of those. Cards, yeah. Like, bucks, the Fleer Ultra, you know what I'm saying? Oh, 100%, man. And that, I mean, that's what got me into it because it seemed like the natural progression, right? Because then you're, like, collecting your cards and you're, like, following sports and you want to be a GM. I want to be a GM growing up, sports agent, all well, that. Well, I'll tell you what, man. If I ever knew that GMs were going to be 30-something-year-old dudes – who had, you know, degrees in math and stuff like that, I would have totally gone into that because I could have done it. But, you know, and I never saw that coming when I was, you know, 15, 16 years old. <laughs> Those jobs were usually, you know, ex-players or ex-people who were scouts or whatever it is. You know, this whole crop of the Theo Epstein group, I never saw that trend coming that basically analytic geeks would take over. And, you know, that's the other thing about baseball too. It's, it's great to have analytics and it's great to have this, but I feel like sometimes, sometimes we've gone too far to the other end where – we overanalyze everything and it's killing a little bit of the joy of the game a little bit. I, there was a funny onion article this past year where it's like Bill James creates statistic that can analyze how much analytics rip you of the joy of baseball. And I just that was, that's kind of almost how I feel sometimes every now and then, whereas football once in a while, it's still that, you know, it's kind of that raw emotion of the game still that still kind of plays out, which baseball, you get more of that in the playoffs than you do in the regular season. Without a doubt. It's just a long season. They're probably just like, I don't want to celebrate every single game. Well, and that's why, to <laughs> me, the, the easiest fix for baseball is to – and I talked about this on Sleeper in the Bus with 
uh, Paul Spore and um, Justin Mason, we had a whole fix baseball episode. And my big thing is you fix baseball by taking, you know, August is a wide open time for baseball and, and you have no football really starting. You have preseason and nobody really cares. And you have uh, kids are off from school for the most part. They can stay up late. It's summertime. If they were to start a playoff series, uh, rounds of playoffs starting in August and cut the regular season short and create like a tournament basically off the, off the regular season standings, it would be wild and exciting. And kids could stay up and watch it. They don't have to worry about going to school the next day. And it would really have a lot of, generate a lot of heat going into September and then you wrap it up early October and be done with it and stop trying to fight football in, in, in late October. It's crazy. Um, to me, I think that would be such a fascinating format. And look, Little League World Series every year captures everybody. Everybody gets really excited about the Little League World Series for a couple of weeks. It's because it's a tournament. It's because it's fun. Yeah, it's youth baseball, but every game all of a sudden means something and it's more impactful and all that stuff. And I just feel like the regular season, I think people, sporting fans now, we're a little bit uh, fatigued because we have so many choices and so much on us. And the 162, I think, really should be reevaluated. It'll never change probably, but I'd like to readjust the 162 and cut it in 100 regular season games and 62 playoff games. I think that would be much more exciting. How many teams make the playoffs? Well, I mean, you can figure out a way to do that. And my other thing is you don't want teams to give up and kind of cash in, right? So the teams that get eliminated, I think, should go into a supplemental round where they battle for draft position in the MLB first-year player draft for the following year. Then you won't have teams giving up when they can get a, a, a organization-changing player in the top three picks. And I think that was what the NBA was trying to do with, I guess, this whole revamped like draft lottery system, right? Because the Pelicans had a 6% chance of winning and got the, got the first pick. Yes, they did. They did indeed. And I used to love basketball, man. I was a huge NBA fan as a kid too. But now with baseball and football, I just can't. I can't juggle through it. I don't know how some people do it. It's wild to me. It's crazy, but they do. It's unbelievable. Yeah, you're talking to uh, one of those guys right here. Yeah, good for you, man. I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> I just, you know, and I don't love basketball as much as I used to. I was a basketball nut in the 90s and the 80s, all through the 90s. And then, I don't know, I just kind of, you know, no defense. You lost a lot of personality in the league. I don't know. It's just a lot of the toughness kind of went out of the game, and I just kind of lost interest in it. All very fair. They, they do not play defense. They play defense They do not college. play defense, you can't you you drop those Detroit Pistons <laughs> into any of these playoffs. I guarantee you, they will wreak havoc on any Golden State fancy pants team you can find. <laughs> that, oh my God. Bill Beer would just be chucking people all over the court. He would, he would, and I miss that. I miss the intensity. Basketball was so intense, and it lost a lot of the intensity. It became just an outside, you know, just kind of pass around the, you know, and and the movement of the games changed too. You know, if you go back and watch one of the games from the 80s with, you know, with the Lakers and Celtics and stuff, you see the ball movement's crazy. You don't get that nowadays. It's so much isolation. It's such a, it's just a very different game than the game that I grew up loving, and I just kind of lost interest. I'd love to get back into it. My youngest daughter is very good at basketball already, and she's really passionate about it, and I play with her every day outside. We're playing all the time, shooting around. But I don't know. I just I'm, – I'm trying. I'm not giving up hope yet, but it's hard. Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. So you mentioned the, uh, the the football black book coming out June 1st, right? So obviously that's big news. Congratulations on you know all the success with Thank it and, and moving forward. Um, just tell us why why we all need to get a copy as soon as possible. Well, my kids need Legos, and, yeah. and that's you know that's really 
That's the number one reason. Don't. We have a Lego problem. It's really out of control. But yeah, no, they, uh, well, here's the thing. I started the black book with this notion of what can I give people that's different? And I always, I, I basically used this system. And I didn't really understand even at the time I was doing it, but uh, what it's become is something called relative position value. And RPV is it's, you know, better known in the industry right now. It's, it's not an analytic that's going to drive you crazy. It's something that's really helpful. And, you know, with fantasy football, there's so much coverage, right? There's so many things. And, and, you know, it used to be 15 years ago, you know, the people who studied more, figured out more, they could get ahead. Now everybody's basically being spoon fed the same information. Everyone's getting the same stuff from every host site. No, the edge is gone and all that. So how do you create an edge? Well, you create it by understanding that fantasy is about me outproducing you from as many spots as I possibly can. And if I could do that responsibly by building roster strength in certain ways and certain formats, I can, I can win consistently. And I think that's the reason the black book, you know, black books never had a major entity behind it. I'm not a CBS or a Roto world or anything like that. It's always been an independent publication. And it, the reason why it's number one is because clearly it works. People keep coming back for it and they keep coming back in bigger numbers because they hear about it. And, you know, people tell me they, I got these stories this year, people walking into drafts and then seeing other people sit down with the book. And that just makes me so happy. Like that's just crazy to me. And it just blows my mind. But relative position value is, you know, how in football or baseball, you always get these, here's my top 50 and here's my top 30 and here's my rankings. Well, that's all great. Like your informed opinion is great and all, but how can I use that? Where's the drop off and how substantial is that? And that's what RPV does. It shows you by a very simple percentage system, exactly where the drop off is between the top of the board and player one off the board, player two in terms of running backs. And it tells you how much better is Saquon than Ezekiel Elliott, how much better is Elliott than the fifth running back. And then what's the fantasy league average of RB1s in a 12-team league? And then what's the negative RPV, guys? And understanding, well, that's how you learn when to take a guy and when not to take a position. And it's not about filling spots. It's about building roster strength. And if you're taking a guy who's already in a negative relative position value standpoint at, say, wide receiver, why are you doing that when there's positive guys on the board here? And once you understand that concept and realize it's adaptable to every format, every sport, every style, and we really, really focus so much on the strategy specific and understanding that a player's talent is great, but a player's value is dictated more by format than his talent. And that's something that gets also very kind of swept away in fantasy coverage. They talk too much about individual players, not enough about individual players in a certain format. And I think that's what separates the black book. And I've got some great people over the years who've joined this team with me and helped create it and push it and make it what it's becoming now. And I'm very proud of it. Did I like, sell you? Almost like, <laughs> like, holy crap. I was like, all right, I'm about to go buy this right now. <laughs> it's almost well, like I'll, gambling. I'll you got to you gotta well, like, here's the thing. take emotion out of it. You know what I mean? Like, you, like well, you're saying is look at the numbers, not the actual people almost. To a certain extent you do, but you also have to understand too, you know, it's once you, once you realize that you, you train your mind differently and it's not just the black book's not a draft guy too. And, and I write chapters about being the commissioner and I write chapters about making trades and how to not be a jerk making trades and how to create trade partners instead of trying to always be the person who wins. Everybody should win. That's the whole point. Because when you're the only team that's trying to win, you're not going to be able to pull off a deal. And then you become somebody as soon as you see a deal from that person, you go, Oh, I don't want that deal from that guy. That guy's a jerk. And then even if it's a decent deal, you create a bad mojo for yourself. And it's a season long companion that takes you through everything. And, 
and it's, um, you know, with the baseball version, Eric Cross did 100 prospect profiles. There's no other draft guide going to give you 100 prospect profiles. And I mean profiles, like, like deep dive, couple paragraphs on each player. Uh, we, Scott Bogman, uh, who I do Black Book with, he's done 30 pages on the NFL draft prospects and all the guys that have come into the league with their 2019 outlook and the dynasty outlook and stuff. Nobody's giving you that. And we're giving you something different. We're giving you something that's going to help you in your standard leagues, your PPR, your super flex, your dynasty. It's going to help you in everything because it's not enough to just buy a rack magazine and be prepared for a draft. Not if you really want to win nowadays. No, that sounds phenomenal. And I'm absolutely, I was thinking about obviously looking into buying it. I mean, but now after we're talking, oh, I'm, come on. I'm completely All the Legos, look, my kids, have, my kids have two problems. They have a, they have a WWE figure problem. It's, it's out of control. We have the ring. We have lots of matches all the time. And then they have the Lego issue. So just know that's where the money's going. And I always pay my writers too. What a, what a concept, you know, I've actually pay the people in fantasy sports doing a good job who do good work and deserve to be paid. I mean, fascinating, right? You're, you're an anomaly, Joe. And now, now that I, I know where the money's going, no, I'm, I'm absolutely going to buy. I'm going to buy two of them now. <laughs> I, I want them to build like my, like my bust out of Legos. <laughs> if you have that many <laughs> well you know it's happened we've expanded over the years you know when they were little they're six and nine my two daughters and they you know expanded and moved from the duplos now to the lego friends and the little houses and you know and then they have the beach house and then there's the other house and then there's like the oh, it's it's a it's crazy it's crazy i'd like to live in this land it looks very nice but you know it's it's nuts you know but at least it, it makes them happy and that's that's what you do man Building community, man. They're, you know, they're, they're That's right. You're building a community. Yeah. You're, building, you're building a like, community. That's what we try to do. <laughs> At least they're not off doing drugs, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah it, could, it could be worse, I guess, right? That is true. <laughs> well, look, I mean, I see what some kids are into, like the crazy Minecraft stuff. You know, my kids are not big screen kids. They will play video games and stuff. They, they like to play, you know, we got a Nintendo Switch, like, two years ago now and i think just this last year they really kind of got into it and playing the smash brothers and stuff but like they only play when i'm with them playing they don't really go for it on their own and stuff they're 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 you know which is great you know because i see these parents they just hand their kids a screen basically and they just i don't know it's just weird to me i saw a family the other night there were there were four of them the two parents were on their phones and the two kids had like screens of some kind like tablet things and i'm like well Oh, this is a nice family dinner out. <laughs> really, it's, you know, it's a real quality time y'all are spending. I'm like, come on, man. Good job, guys. <laughs> I saw that tonight. Yeah, I, mean, I saw that just tonight. The two parents on their phones, the two kids across from each other on their iPads at dinners. Yeah. It, it, it's weird. I mean, like, I'm, I, I'm fearful for these kids. It's like, why did you have kids? This is the time where the kids <laughs> like you when, you're, when they're little and they think you're cool. I'm freaking on TV a couple times a year. I'm on radio. I do all these things, right? I'm still barely cool. Barely. Right. Like I'm cool because I know a couple of wrestlers. So that makes me cool to them. But I mean, when they're teenagers, not going to want to talk to you. Like then you can all be on screens and ignore each other. But when they're little, this is fun. You know, I don't know. That's just me. More than just fantasy advice here, though, ladies and gentlemen, you know, people should be taking. That's right. Fantasy parenting. Full this service at the Black Book. <laughs> this is life, Joe. And we appreciate that. So you talked about RPD. I think that's, um, that's incredibly interesting. So. Talk about some of the players that you're that you're uh, that you're targeting this year. Uh, well, again, it's it's always you know in terms of format, right? So it's it's trying to understand that. So it's 
more about understanding the strategy. Like in, in single quarterback leagues this year, you know, I know people are going to be crazy about Mahomes and luck and all that stuff, but you can get it done with all these other guys. I mean, Matt Ryan's thrown for almost 5,000 yards two out of the last three years, and he goes so late in drafts by comparison to those guys and understanding not to go further that. As far as individual guys, uh, I can tell you already I'm going to own uh, probably a lot of shares of guys who are, you know, coming back like a Kenyon Drake who I think has a good opportunity this year. I don't understand why last year I had some guys just wouldn't give them the damn football, but I'm hoping in the contract year that they're going to just kind of run them into the ground and see what's what there with him because it makes sense, especially with Rosen probably playing quarterback for most of the year there. So I'm doubling down on him. I'll probably have a lot of shares of him. I love Cooper Cup coming back from that injury. I think people are sleeping a little bit on how good Cooper Cup was and then that injury happened and – I'm not one for extrapolating. I don't like to do that, but he was a very consistent player. Uh, Calvin Ridley, Tyler Boyd, these are guys I'm going to have a lot of shares of because I think they're still flying a little under the radar in terms of how good people realize they they are, they could be. Mike Williams, another guy too from the wide receiving group. Um, but look, it's again, it's it's very much, I'm all about tailoring the strategy to the league format first and foremost. And when you can do that, I think you have a much better much better idea of, of being successful. And what we're doing too, this is the first year we're doing it. Instead of the one draft strategy chapter, uh, Nate Hamilton and I go in and we do specific chapters on specific strategies and specific formats. So there's a whole standard chapter. And he and I did four rounds together about core building. And this is why we think this is what should look like for the first four rounds. And here's why. And this is the best of the cores and how you build a core and understanding the, the pitfalls and all that. So you're going to get that in the black book this year. And we even did a best ball one too. Like, it's just kind of crazy. Like we just real like stuff that you could go and say, okay, what's my draft tonight? Oh, let me prep for this. <laughs> like, you know, it just kind of totally changed the game on, on top of all the player profiles and all the other stuff that everybody else gives you. Uh, but we're giving you RPV along with it. And that's great advice because a lot of people don't even look at the rules. They don't even know what, what the format is when they, when they actually start drafting. So I think that's, that's a great first thing that people should be looking at, obviously. Usually what I ask them, yeah. if anybody asks me, I don't know about you guys, <laughs> what kind of league is it? PPR, standard? Yeah, well, I mean, you always got to, you know, it's, it's. I mean, I'm, I'm out of the forefront. John Lobb and I are at the forefront. We did a super flex mock tonight, actually, right before we came on with you guys. And um, we're pushing that format the last couple of years, John and I, because we feel like the quarterback is the most underutilized piece in football and it's the most important piece in the NFL and why is it the least used why are 200 point quarterbacks sitting on the waiver wire and we're all fighting each other for 100 point running backs who barely matter it's just crazy to me it's absolute madness and what you know when you start elevating the quarterback position a little bit in fantasy it allows you to overcome some of these catastrophic running back injuries or catastrophic wide receiver injuries you get sometimes which just blows your whole season well if you have a pretty good quarterback you can still kind of make your way through that or you can change your philosophy and say hey i'm going to make a higher investment on the quarterbacks they stay healthier because the rules are tailor made for them and they're tailor made for them to stay healthier and there's lots of there's lots of ways you could do it i like to play idp too uh, we have gary davenport who does the idp stuff there's nobody better than him and he does the black book idp rankings every year and uh you know it's i always you know, encourage people to try new things and, you know, try new formats and try to shake things up. You know, the same old stuff eventually gets a little boring and adding the quarterback into a super flex and making a flex and a super flex spot. And I mean, then you really have some fun and really get some points going, make it a PPR, just go crazy. That's fantastic advice, man. Um, 
unfortunately our time's actually almost, almost running out here. So, um, I obviously wanted to thank you for, you know, taking the time again, it's very valuable advice. Um, everybody out there go buy this black book. Joe's kids need some more Legos. Um, it's very important, but, but before we do go, Joe, any, uh, any closing remarks and obviously tell us where we can, uh, where we can find you. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I always try to come on whenever people ask me because I know what it's like. I always say, any idiot can have a podcast because I had one. And I started out me and Dan Stratford about a, you know, 12 years ago now, I guess, started. And so I'm always happy to come on, and, and I hope you guys, you know, wish you guys the best of luck with the show. Uh, Football Black Book will be out June 1st. And, uh, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at JoePizzaPia17, and that's where you can get all the links to the Black Book show. Uh, with myself, Chris Welsh, and uh, uh, and Scott Bogman there. It's a really fun podcast. We do baseball and football. It's hilarious. And uh, sports entertainment is the best way to, to uh, do it. We give you a lot of laughs and a lot of great information. And, uh, yeah, man, that's, like I said, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll find everything I'm doing between the wrestling podcast and DFS podcast and everything else at JoePizzaPia17. You can find us at thefantasyfam.com or on Twitter at thefantasyfam. We're on most podcast platforms, including iTunes. Another quick shout out and thank you to our special guest, Joe Pizapia. This is the Fantasy Fam signing off. Mm-hmm.